um, to stand in the presence of the Lord and his goodness. I'm so thankful to him today. Um, I just want to share a little bit. You guys may have seen a WhatsApp, mes- WhatsApp message that went out and talked about, talking about where I was going to be. Um, Brother Joey, thank you for, for putting that out and all the people that responded. Um, I covet your prayers. Um, they were uplifting to me, and I was going to walk into the Washington Middle School today, and um, I was asked to come in. It wasn't something that I'd sought to do. It wasn't something that I positioned myself to do. And saying, I want to be this and I want to be that. Um, I just truly wait on God to uh, position me and align me where he wants me to be. And I want to be obedient to that. I want to obey his voice, his calling, um, his ordering and directing of my steps. And so uh, today I was asked uh, to stand in front of three assemblies. Uh, First assembly was going to be just over 200 uh, eighth graders. And the second assembly was going to be likewise. And it seemed like the seventh grade had a lot more kids because it seemed like they were, like, up there, like, way past 200. But, um, you know, I truly woke up this morning and sought to be in alignment with God. That's where it begins. Because I didn't wake up in my flesh and say, hey, I, I, I got this together. I got this, this speech planned out, and this is what I'm going to do. Because I went with no paper. I went with no pencil. I just went with what God gave me in my heart to speak what he wanted me to speak. And, you know, I've been guilty of overthinking things and, and uh, trying to make things sound pretty and make things sound good. And, I, and I've learned, like, you know, God's going to use me the way that I am, no matter how I look and no matter how I sound. If God wants to use you, he's going to use you. And we just have to be obedient to that and say, okay, God. I'm trusting that you will use me and you can use me the way you want to use me. And so um, I'd went in there today and, uh, you know, I came here for prayer early in the morning. I took the day off of work. And, you know, when God wants to use you, sometimes you can also be like, man, I got to work. I got bills to pay. But also, again, trusting God, trusting God. So I came here this morning and I sought to, to be in communication with him. And um, I don't know if the Lord does this with you, but this is what he did with me this morning. He took me back to the beginning. And what does the beginning look like for you? Where did it start? Are we talking the beginning of life? Are we talking the beginning of relationship with God? Um, But God God took me all the way back to my childhood and had me revisit relationships that I had with my grandparents, relationships I had with my father and my mother, and then also the relationship that I have today with him. And... uh, you know, man, this morning after prayer, I reached out to those family members again, and I, and, I, and I told them, you know, people are getting a little older in my family now, and, uh, you know, people are going to eventually pass on and move on, but I want to make sure that they know that I love them. Uh, whatever happened back then is forgiven, and I didn't even bring it up. My, my conversation was, I love you. I care about you. Thank you. Thank you for everything that you did, everything that you said. It molded me the way God wanted to mold me. He, I was reading that scripture, brother, before we got here. I was reading that before we got here, and it really just ministered to me because God is the one. He's the potter that has us. He's molding us. He's shaping. He's putting in. He's taking out. And uh, I, truly, I truly recognize and realize that today. But these conversations that I had today, I walked into this school, and um, 
you know, I, I'm, I'm not going to go into detail of word for word of what I'd said because some of the stuff, I don't even remember what I said. I just know that God was using me, um, that I was speaking what he wanted me to say. <clears throat> and, um, you know, the kids afterward came up to me, and they were some of them were weeping and crying and tears running down their face. And, you know, I talked about, you know, when they brought me in, they said, we want you to tell your story. Living epistles read of men. They want me to tell your story. And, uh, you know, I looked around the room and I, and, I, and I said, you know, each and every one of us have a story. And that is true today. Each and every single one of us have a story of how we grew up, how we came to be where we are today. And, um, you know, I told them, you know, our stories, as we live them, different characters begin to come into our life that are going to shape who we are where we go and how we live our life. <clears throat> and, um, you know, for some of us, I said to them, some of us, the story hasn't always been pretty. It just didn't start off that way. And, um, you know, um, you know, God has a, God is the author and the finisher of our faith. He's truly the one writing the story. He's the author and the finisher. And so, um, you know, as I was speaking to these young people, I was speaking to a place to where they were at. <clears throat> and, um, you know, in the after, after they came up to me and, uh, you know, they said, hey, I don't have my mom and my dad in my life. You know, I'm in a foster home and um, I, I don't have a, or some of them say, I just, my mom's raising me or I'm living with my uncles. And some of us in here can probably relate to that. And... Um, you know, the Lord was uh, really opening some doors there for, you know, that what they told me, what faculty told me was they've never seen 200 eighth graders together focused and locked in like that. And I know that that wasn't me. You know, I'm not this great, sh bright, shining light right there. I am a light under men, but, you know, um, for them to not get squirrely and play around and want to mess around, uh, they were attentive and they were focused. But I believe that that was God that was using me, allowing me to minister to them. They were open even as young people. And so the same thing transpired from the 8th grade to the 7th grade. Um, actually, one of, the, one of the kids, because I left room for, for discussion. If anybody want to ask questions, they got questions you want to ask, you can go ahead and ask me. And there was a little girl. <clears throat> I remember her standing, sitting off to my right. And she... Uh, she began to ask a question, and as I was walking towards her, her face got really red, and she began to cry, weep and cry, and she just broke down right there. And uh, I'd seen other staff and faculty come over and grab her and pick, you know, escort her out. I believe the Lord was ministering to her and speaking to her, and as she began to express something, there's this outward expression, because sometimes we don't express, we hold things in. You ever talk to someone who's been really hurt and broken, and they begin to talk about the past and the things that hurt them? What happens? They begin to cry. It hurts. And so they were expressing some things and asking me, you know, how do you get out of gangs? And, you know, how do you, you know, how do you, uh, you know, um, have a better relationship with your mom? Or how do you um, have a relationship with your father? And, you know, um, you know, I wasn't always, I didn't always have the best examples of that growing up. I have, a, I have a heavenly father now that I have a relationship with. And so I can use that heavenly father as an example to these young people that they could understand. 
You know, hey, I talk to my father every day. He hears me. He knows me. He knows where I'm at. He sees me. He cares about me. Began to express some of those things. They, they, they didn't know all of that. But God was using me. And, uh, you know, I'm thankful that, that God would choose, would choose me. And I'm thankful that he would choose you. Because each and every one of you are a chosen vessel. We're chosen. And he will use you the way he wants to use you. He'll put things in you that he wants to put in you. And he will take things out of you that need to be taken out of you if you allow him to. You know, and, um, and I truly understood today that I was in the living epistle read of men today. And people and faculty and children. And, um, you know, I'm thankful that the Lord would choose to use me. And I'm humbled by that. I'm, I'm thankful for the men of God that I have in my life because I'm sure they remember how I walked in here. And the Lord took me back to that day. I did most of my life in prison. And when I walked through those doors, I was at a place where I was broken. And I was ready. And I thank God for the people that came into my life. Tim and Sally were able to open their doors to me after I walked in their house one time and just disrespectful and left. But it had to happen. I had to go back to prison for six more years. And, you know, I'm thankful today. You know, if, you've come in, if you're coming to God. And you're at that place, I'm going to encourage you, lay out before him. Because he's taking me to places today that I've never imagined. I took myself to places in my own life that I never imagined either. But this today, living today, standing in front of all these people, young people, faculty, it was just like, wow. All I could do was be in awe and thank God for what he's doing. And um, stay in this race. I'm going to encourage you, stay in this fight. It's worth it. It definitely is. Sometimes it may not always feel that way. It feels tough and it's hard. But there's no better life than a life with him. And there's no turning back. I just want to share that quick testimony with you guys and, and be encouraged that God will use each and every one of you. It's not just me. It's not just me. It's each and every one of you. Thank you. God bless you. Bishop, um, if I could turn it over to you. You're welcome. God bless you. My, uh, my mother's 86 years old, and uh, she was living with my sister for the last couple of years, and her health has deteriorated a little bit. You know, you grow old, her, and uh, it's challenging her mind, and, you know, we get the picture. And... My sister was communicating with us that she was uh, rapidly failing and that if you wanted to have a chance to see her, then you should get down here, which was Florida. And uh, my wife kept saying to me, she said, I think you need to make a trip. I think you need to go see your mom. And I said, I think I've made my last trip the last time I went. I think I, that was my last trip. And uh, then she asked my wife to go down and, and watch my mother for 10 days while she and her husband went on a cruise. And she said now she, she has, you know, she's stopped eating. She's just drinking water. And so I think she was figuring that my mother would pass away while she was on this cruise. And what happened was, is my wife went down there, and my mother got up and said, I'm hungry. Do you have anything to eat? And so my wife 
began feeding her, and she nursed her back to health. Well, we weren't sure what to make of the entire situation, and so then my brother and his wife said, I think it's time for us to go get her and bring her to our house, and did. And then uh, they sent us a video, and it was a video of Angelica, my sister-in-law, with a Bible that she had bought for my mother, and she was presenting it to her and videotaping at the same time, saying, is this the right one? Is this the one that you asked for, this King James Bible? And it was in that moment that I realized God has given me a window. And so I immediately got online and bought an airline ticket and flew down to Orlando and uh, went and saw her. And, you know, we, we had a conversation like this 30 years ago. See, she, she was really a link in this valley for me. I can remember that when I first began to come over and visit the, uh, the Mays family in Wapato, Oscar Mays, it's like every time I would take the microphone, I would feel this anointing come on me, and I'd start to, you know, refer to my mother getting the Holy Ghost out in Hera at that little church, and somehow there was a link from her getting the Holy Ghost out there and to, you know, now my involvement in the Yakima Valley again, and I wasn't sure about what it all meant or if it meant anything. But I, I sat with her 30 years ago and talked with her through the scriptures about getting baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, the church out there was an Assemblies of God, and they don't teach to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. They, they uh, you know, they repeat Matthew 28, 19. They repeat the command, but they don't really commit the commission. And the name is important for the remitting of sin. And so anyway, we had this Bible study in the living room with her and, and her father, actually. And I remember her at the end of it saying, I'm okay, son. I'm okay, son. And just let it go. And I've never revisited it in 30 years until the other day. And I didn't do it just one time. I did it three days in a row. I wanted to know that when she said, yes, Larry, I want to be baptized in Jesus' name. I want you to baptize me. I would wait until the next day, and we would talk the scriptures again, and I would ask her again. And she'd say, yes, Larry. I wanted to know that she was in her right mind when she was making this statement. And did. Well, about that time, my sister-in-law, who'd been sitting beside her listening this whole time, said, when can I get baptized? And so I, we said, well, to, we worked it out, my brother and I. This is so interesting. My, my, brother, my brother is a captain on the 777, the Boeing 777. He uh, mainly flies to Latin America. He's done very well. He followed the footsteps of my father, who was an international captain on a 747. But anyway, I say all that to say this. He has several homes. Uh, he has all the money he needs. And his wife said to me, he cries 
every night. He cries every night. Now, there's been upheaval in his family and with his children. And so that is also, I feel like, positioned and conditioned him for the now of what's transpiring in his family. I had my brother step down into the jacuzzi with me to baptize my mother. I said, now, we, I need your help. I need you to come down here. And you hold one side, and I'm going to hold the other side. What's so interesting is, is he did not resist one thing. As soon as his wife asked if she could get baptized, he said, well, if that's what you want to do, sure. He was over there cooking in the kitchen while we were talking about all those scriptures. And so I am, I am marveling over what has transpired in this, in this last week where I had, I had kind of written that, those situations off because through the years I spent a lot of time praying and there were times when I was reaching, but it seemed like there was always pushback and there was just not an opening. Well, the opening came. It was unbelievable, but it, it came. And now I have so much peace. See, I knew she was already born of the Spirit, but she needed to be born of the water. She needed the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of her sin. Now, I, I believe this. We teach this. We, we, uh, we read this in the Scripture. We believe it. And we have to walk in it. We have to stand in it. Therefore, we have to open our mouth. We have to be bold. When I was at the gate leaving this morning, very early, there was a, a woman, probably 10 years my senior, walked up and sat down two seats over and started a conversation with me. And as soon as she did, I wondered, is this a moment? Is this a, I need to pay attention to this. But she says to me, so what brings you down here? And I was surprised that I said it. I said, I came down here to baptize my mother in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of her sins. And she's 86 years old. She says, wait a minute. She's 86? And you thought she needed to get baptized? Absolutely. The Bible teaches. And I went. <laughs> and I could see her wheels turning. And I, I was really expecting to see her, you know, at baggage claim. When I got into Seattle, you know, I got a question to ask you. But she had asked several questions, and I thought, boy, that triggered some stuff I could tell. And now the wheels were turning. You never know where the Lord will take that just days down the road. Or the, today is the day of salvation. Now is the accepted time. We have got to be bold in being led of the Holy Ghost and just simply open our mouth and not try to judge it or figure out how would God use this in this situation, but just to open our mouth. Anyway, I, uh, I appreciate you rejoicing with me. I'm so thankful for what the Lord is doing in these hours. Amen. God bless you.
I didn't want her. But I'm going to ask Sister Sally to come and take a moment and share a short testimony, if she would. I didn't warn her. I figured she'd be up for it. Praise the Lord, Church. Um, I just want to testify today, fatten your bones a little bit. Um, I've been struggling now with celiac disease, I think, since 2016, 17, somewhere in there. So that means I have a gluten allergy, anyway, and dairy allergy. And I have to be very careful what I eat because even just a little crumb makes me sick. I instantly feel a burning sensation in my stomach. It just makes me really sick, and I break out in a rash. Anyways, I've had to have been real careful to what I eat. So um, pastor prayed for me a couple of weeks ago. Um, I didn't ask him for prayer for that, but he prayed for me. So I come up to the altar, and um, he prayed for my celiac specifically and for um, my diabetes. Well, I want to share with you today that the Lord has answered the prayer. I went to a woman's conference in um, Lewiston with my daughter. Sister Thompson invited me, so I went down there. Not expecting anything but the joy of seeing my grandchildren and my daughter. Um, but the invitation was nice, and to see Sister Julie was nice. Um, but I didn't go expecting anything, really. I just went because I was invited. Um, but uh, when we were there on Thursday evening, um, the Lord spoke to me about doubt. You know, there was some doubt in me that um, why I had received my healing when Pastor prayed for me. You know, and I've seen God do miracles already in my own life, and I've seen physical healings at my work that I shared the, with Pastor, with one of my clients, and I was having a conversation on my way. Um, I came up to work or to my second client, but as I always do, with just talking to the Lord in, in my car, talking to him, having a conversation with him, and I said, Lord, I don't want to live with this diabetes all the time, um, and I don't want to have celiac all my life either, and my diabetes really bugs me because I have to eat every two hours or my sugar drops. Um, my husband fixed me breakfast every morning, like around 7.30. Most of the mornings, I eat to make me eat. Um, by the time I get to work, my sugar's already running low. And then once I start moving, my sugar just drops real quick. And so I constantly have to be eating. So I felt like I'm enslaved to food. I have to be eating all the time, even if I'm not hungry. But I praise God so much because he healed me. On Saturday, I felt him telling me, you're healed. But I doubt it. I still doubt it even then. Um, and then Saturday, uh, no, Sunday, my, my daughter and the family took me out to eat. The Lord again then nugged me a little bit, say, eat some regular food. It's like, I was a little bit afraid because I know how sick I get right away. So I don't, I don't want to be at a restaurant and get sick. So I took a little tiny bite. I doubted. And then Monday came. And Monday I just felt so bold and so different in myself. And no fear, no worry about checking my sugar, nothing. I didn't feel nothing at all. And I ate. A uh, cookie, regular cookie, a big-sized cookie. It was delicious. <laughs> oh, it was a cranberry cookie I've never had before. But it was so good to just eat it and not be afraid of what's going to happen to me. And then uh, later on, my husband bought a cinnamon roll. I haven't had a cinnamon roll forever. And I ate, I took a piece from Samaria. I wasn't going to eat it because things were always saying, no, you can't eat that. But I said, no, I'm healed. I'm going to eat it. Took a junk, a chunk and ate it. Tastes so good and moist and sweet and delicious. Um, and I just praise God for it because I am healed. He healed me from so much more than I asked for. Celiac, celiac and my diabetes. And I also been struggling with really bad knee pain. And when I walk, when I take a full step, my foot feels like it's going to break in half. The same thing with my knees. And I couldn't do this before or even take that step. And literally last week, all week long, the Lord is my witness. 
Every time, every time I go to take a step, I'd say, in the name of Jesus, because I hurt so much. And I would say, in the name of Jesus, I'm taking that next step. In the name of Jesus. And I remember, because I've done that to clients before when I used to work in Wapatow. I tell them, you can't take a step anymore. And the Lord reminded me of that. You believe for them. Why can't you believe for yourself? And so I took a step, another step, and no pain anymore. The pain in my knees felt like my knees were just going to break in pieces. Just last week, I was like, Lord, I was so afraid to take a step especially up the stairs. I recorded myself at work going up and down the stairs, sent it to my daughter because I couldn't believe it squatted. I was squatting when I was walking <laughs> the stairs and no pain, no nothing. So I'm just so thankful for all that God has done in my body. Thank you. Praise God. Amen. Why don't we stand together and worship the Lord right now? We've heard testimony after testimony after testimony of the goodness of God, of the goodness of God, of his word, of his healing, of his power. We worship you, Jesus. We worship you, Jesus. We worship you, Jesus. We worship you, Jesus. We worship you, Lord. We thank you. We give you glory and honor. We rejoice with the body. We rejoice with the work that you are doing. We thank you, Lord, for the open doors. We thank you for the ministry of your spirit. We thank you and we praise you. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. You can be seated. I feel faith rise in the house. I don't know about you. Amen, amen. I, uh, it's good to be here. Brother Joel asked me if I was a visitor. And so, uh, uh, like, man, it hadn't been that long. I said, I was here Saturday morning. He said, you were? <laughs> Some men was I here Saturday morning with you. Okay, yeah. Um, but isn't God so good to us? I uh, I'm thankful for the body of Christ. I'm genuinely thankful for the body of Christ, the ministry of the body, these stories we've heard here. Appreciate Brother Johnstone, the tremendous ministry on Sunday, and all of you that availed yourself. What a work of God. And um, I'm sorry that I missed being here. It's not like you guys had a great time. And uh, so, anyway, I there, there's been this thing that's been staying in my heart. Sometimes when something gets, a thought gets in my spirit, it seems like everybody I talk to, I want to talk about that. I don't know if you've ever had that happen before. And uh, it's it's been this simple thought. I, I'm, I'm not going to take very long. I probably shouldn't have said that, but I'm really not. I just want to... I think if we've been listening, the Lord's been ministering to us and imparting faith, imparting faith. And uh, I, it's this recurring thing about being used by God. And I, I know that if I ask the question, how many of you want to be used by God, you would, I'm going to go venture out here and say all of us would raise our hands and say we would like to be used by God. Um, but then if I ask the question, how many of you like it when somebody uses you, no one would raise their hand. Right? Like, no, 
don't like it when people use me. Uh, and, and it speaks to the fact that we have predetermined ideas about how we want or believe God should use us. We have predetermined ideas about what it means to be used by God even. Um, I was having a conversation with someone earlier today. Oftentimes, an aspiration, if, if, if we grow up around church, this idea to be used by God means, well, I'll, I'll do something inside the building that other people will see me doing, and then therefore I'm being used of God. Um, I'm not saying that wouldn't be the case, but more often than not, uh, always more often, Always more often. To be used of God is outside these walls. Always more often. And, you know, Brother Lewis started with the verse about the vessel, the clay, and how the Lord chose to make the vessel. And the challenge sometimes with being used by God is we draw our predetermined ideas from how we see God use other people. Does that make sense? Did that, did that make sense? Um, for example, we may have, you know, Brother Martin, I'd ask him to share his testimony about the time with students today and the door that had opened there. And we can, we can look and go, man, I want to be used of God like that. Why doesn't God use me that way? And, but we're not him, and he's not us. And so it, it's, it's what I call comparison in a negative light, right? Any, any comparison is negative. And some people say, man, I, I don't compare. But what happens when we talk about being used of God is we, we compare ourselves against somebody else, not, not finding fault with them. But then we entertain this voice of negativity from the adversary that says, see, you're not being used like them. What's wrong with you? Why aren't you? And so we have to come to a place, and I, I just feel this is so important because of where we are in time. And God's desire is to use Whosoever will. Really, whosoever will. That's available for the need for the moment at the time. You recognize, and I know we make light of it sometimes, or we use it humorously. The Lord used a donkey to speak to a man. And... You know, it's humorous because the man started talking back to the donkey. I don't, and they had a conversation. That's just strange in and of itself when you think about it, that the man thought that this is normal or didn't think anything of that. Um, I just, I've come to the conclusion in that story that God used the donkey because that's the only thing that was available at the time. And so where we are in time, all of us who will make ourselves available, he will use. But I don't get to choose how he uses me. 
I don't get to choose. And uh, I, I want to pick and choose, right? God, you can use me like this way, but not like this. We used to sing a song. Well, we didn't sing it, but it was a song that used to be popular when I was a kid. Lord, please don't send me to Africa. I don't think I've got what it takes. Right? I'm afraid of lions and jungles and snakes or something like that. I remember how it went. But if you want to use me, I'll do this, God. And uh, the Lord wants to use us. He, he wants to use us, each and every one of us. But there's got to be a willingness that says, okay, however you choose. And John the Baptist, we all know John the Baptist. John the Baptist was used of God, wasn't he? I mean, he was prophesied about. You got prophecy on your life. You got a word from God you're holding on to about God using you a certain way. Careful. God, Paul had a word from God too. See, here's the thing. We get an idea when God talks to us. I hope you're okay. I know I'm just talking. We, we get this idea when God speaks to us and we hear and we feel the inspiration of his voice and we witness, man, God's talked to me about something in our life, how he's going to use our life. We then begin to frame the picture of what that's going to look like. Does that make sense? It's human nature. It's our human nature. It's oftentimes why God doesn't tell us very much. <laughs> he wants us to trust him. It's our human nature. Abraham did it. The Lord told him, I'm going to make you the father of many nations. And he began to frame what that looked like. That's our human nature. And so God wants to use us. And God wanted to use John the Baptist. And of course, it was prophesied. All of us can go read the Old Testament. And we see the prophecy of John the Baptist, the forerunner of Christ. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, right? We see that prophesied. And somewhere along the way, John the Baptist, I don't know when or where. Maybe it was in that moment when he declared it. I don't know if he knew before that moment that he declared it. But he said, I'm the voice of one crying in the wilderness, saying, prepare you the way of the Lord, make his path straight. He, in that, whether it was in that moment or before, he finally realized, this is, I, I, I'm, the, I'm the one. What must that have felt like? To realize I'm the one. And he was used of God. But later on, he finds himself in prison. And in prison, he's all of a sudden, you know, he baptized Jesus. He saw the spirit descending like a dove. He heard the voice saying, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well. He declared, behold, the lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. He had all these things in his life and in his ministry, in his being used of God. He had all these elements. But then further on the journey or at a different place in his journey, he finds himself in a prison cell and some of his disciples are there. And he says, would you just go ask him if he's even the one? Or do we look for somebody else? He's questioning whether Jesus Christ is even the Messiah. I think he knew. I think what he was questioning more than anything was, if he's the one and I did what I'm supposed to do, why am I in this place? If I... If I did what was asked of me, we've heard things tonight, obedient, stayed in the potter's hand. If, I, if, if I've done what's asked of me, why am I now here? 
in this place. So would you go ask him if he's the one? Or am I looking for somebody else? Of course, he went. Jesus hears them and he says, tell John the blind see, the lame walk, something like that. Tell them the dead are raised to life again. Tell them the poor have the gospel preached to them. The lepers cleansed. All these things that were indicators of the Messiah. He just wasn't telling him about miracles. He was telling him things that were being done that Old Testament prophesied would be indicators of the Messiah. So he said, tell him all that. But then he said, and tell John, blessed is the man that's not offended in me. Blessed is the man that's not offended in the way I choose to use him. I, do, do you want to be used of God? I know you do. I know you do. Every one of us do. And he'll use every one of us. That doesn't mean 24-7, 365. There will be moments of just waiting at his feet, and, but prepared in the moment when he's ready. So there's got to come a selfless abandon. A selfless abandon that says, however you choose to use me, that's your business. I just want to know that I'm postured the way I need to be so that when you want to, you can use me. And by your grace, I'll do my best not to, not to squabble with you about how you do or don't. I'll do my best not to argue with you about the way you choose to. Just use me. Just use me. When Brother Lewis read that verse at the outset, I thought of the place in Scripture. Will the clay say to the potter, why have you made me like this? Understand what that expression there is, is the clay is saying, the way you've made me, if you've made me, I'm, you know, if you've made me to be a, a bowl, I really wanted to be a pitcher. Why would you make me into something to use me this way? I had a different picture of what I would be and how you would use me. Why did you make me this way? Because that's how he wanted to use us. And so it is the desire of God to do so. And so there's a need in this hour to be available just stand with me tonight. Available. Available. And God, I'll not be offended in how you choose to use me. I remember, I don't know if I've ever told this story before in my family. I remember it may have been the last trip we made to Italy. COVID sort of messed up my memory. I can't remember timelines as much anymore. Uh, but it was, uh, yeah, I think it was four years ago. Uh, my oldest son and I got to travel with Bishop to Italy. Spent a few days there with the group there. And uh, there was 
there was a good time and flow of fellowship and ministry. Uh, quite honestly, for me, it was probably the least amount of flow I felt like I had in a ministry trip. Uh, during times of ministry, I had flow. But I recognized fairly quickly my, my role was different on this trip than it's been in trips past. Does that make sense? And at first, I was sort of wrestling with that, trying to figure out what's going on. And we were walking one day. I have a picture. I've kept the picture because it reminds me. We were walking one day, and I can't remember the name of the place where we were. And uh, it was up on a mountain around this old something, another building, monastery, church, palace. I can't remember what it was. And... Uh, Bishop and Brother Pedro Guzman are walking in front of us. My son and I are walking back here. There were some others. Uh, and I have this picture. I took this picture down this, uh, down this walkway, cobblestones, whatever. With, it's the back of Bishop and Brother Pedro. We were walking, and I was minding my own business, and I was sort of just listening. Here. Right? And still thinking about, okay, Lord... I just want to, I want to be available. I want to be in tune with what you want on this, right? Listening, listening, like Bishop talking while ago, sitting at the airport. Okay, I'm listening here. Is this, is this something here? What's this, right? Just, I was listening like that, just walking and listening. And the Lord spoke this to me, walking on that road. He said, if you coming on this trip, if the only purpose was to see those two men reconnect in that flow of ministry that they've had ever since they've been here together, are you content with that? I don't think I've even shared that with Bishop before. Are you content with that? And I remember, Lord, I will be. <laughs> that was my response. I don't know if I am at the moment. I may have had different plans about how you would use me. You hearing me tonight? I may have had different plans about how you would use me. I may have seen it a little different. Or maybe I had something in the past that was what I expected to repeat. Or Right? This is what we do. Lord, I'm content. If your purpose to use me, see, that's the key. It's not about my purpose. It's about his purpose. I have to abandon self so that I can be used according to his purpose. This is important for somebody. For God to use us, it's got to be about his purpose. Not mine. Would you pray with me right now? In the name of Jesus. Jesus. 
Father, I thank you tonight for your word and your goodness. You are the author. You are the author and you are the finisher of our faith. You know the end from the beginning. You know the end from the beginning, Lord. We trust you. We trust your word. We trust your work. We thank you for the privilege and the honor of being used of you, God. I pray each vessel, Lord, use according to your will as we seek to avail ourselves to you, Lord, and your purpose. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, praise God, praise God, praise God. If I'm not careful, I get offended at God. I don't want to be offended at God. I get offended because he's not using me the way I thought or because the way he used me. No offense, Lord. I'm yours. Amen? No offense. I'm not offended in how you choose to use me, Lord. Just use me. Amen? May the Lord bless you tonight. Would you lay hold on the things you've heard tonight? Lay hold on faith. Lay hold on the power of the word of God. Amen? God bless you. Greet someone in Jesus' name.